Now let's see if we can follow this. It was about two weeks ago where the FOMC released its statement raising interest rates by 75 basis points. And they made the comment that given economic and financial conditions, maybe they would take that into account. Markets took that to be a dovish statement, wild euphoria, ecstasy, bidding and risk of markets everywhere. And then the very next day, of course, Mr. Jay Powell comes on TV. Actually, it wasn't even the next day. It was the next hour. It was the same day. Powell's press conference says, no, 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 no. I'm hawkish forever. I'm going to raise rates to double digits and keep them there until the next decade. And the markets, of course, said, oh, no, there is no pivot and everything just tanked. And then this week, the, the, the very thing that is supposedly keeping the Federal Reserve up at night onto rate hikes, we get a CPI report that is weaker, lesser, less hot, temperate. It wasn't nearly as bad as recent ones had been. And everybody in the world rushed right back into the same interpretation as the first one, which was pivot. This is great for risk. Now, Steve, I know this is something you've been talking about for a very long time. And I also know that you're among the few who have said that when the CPI starts to come down, it might come down quicker than maybe people are expecting. So what was your read on not just the CPI, but the overall situation. Is this kind of the first step toward that maybe um, steeper downward slope in consumer prices? Yeah, I, I think it is, Jeff, because I look at gas prices. We know that that is a very high correlation in the CPI. And there for a while, the year over year rate changing gas prices, which is rapidly approaching zero. And as we get into this year or next year, I should say, it's going to be really hard unless prices of, of crude oil and gas go way up. These year-over-year -year comps are really fighting the Fed, and that's okay because you know that's something that we've talked about a lot. Is if you know if you want to have sustainable inflation, prices have to continue to go up. And what we saw was this drop to uh, seven point seven on the CPI, as you mentioned in the intro. Markets just went berserk about this. Because it's kind of it's just telling us what we already know is, and of course the yield curves are telling us the Fed's gone too far, and all and the market knows this, and it's just now the question of when are they going to pause? And what I think what we saw this week is a belief that perhaps December could be a pause, even though Powell, if he was on our show right now, would tell us there's no way that this is going to happen. But the probabilities are increasingly high that they're making a just massive mistake here. That was sort of what got me, right, Steve? Because, you know, I, as much as the CPI got all the attention and for decent reason, and there was, there was definitely data that suggested that maybe something has changed. But even just from the raw, raw numbers that came out, it seemed like there was an overreaction to it, especially in the stock market, where it was interpreted as this is it. This is definitely the sign the Fed is going to stop increasing rates because look at what's happened. So, and, and you know, to me, that was sort of the, the, the almost a discontinuity, but certainly an inequity because the market reaction didn't seem necessarily in line with what the actual data said, which was very modest improvement. It wasn't all that much, but it's definite. It, it definitely seems like a lot of market players are saying that it was enough to be compelling or even convincing enough that uh, this is the start of the downward leg of the transitory consumer prices. Didn't it seem that same way to you? A little bit, uh, a little bit overdone. 
It, it did, Jeff. But if you kind of look at it from the market perspective, right, we have another CPI print before the next Fed meeting. Now, we haven't had that for a while. It's been Fed meeting, then CPI. And so I think the market's looking this saying, look, if we see the year over year comp fall again in December, which I'll argue that that is highly likely to happen, that now there's pressure on the Fed that maybe we do need to step back and say we, we accomplish, we're accomplishing our goal. Maybe we don't need to push the pedal of the metal. And of course, we saw the funds futures, uh, they actually dropped immediately down to 50 basis points. So the market's kind of buying into the fact that, hey, you know, maybe the Fed you know, has accomplished what they're trying to do here. And, you know, something that was circulating on Twitter this week, which I thought was really fascinating, was someone said that, hey, if this if the CPI just prints a 0.2% month over month from here on out, we hit 2% mid of the year. So I think the market's starting to buy into the fact that, hey, maybe this is actually going to happen. And that means a Fed, Fed pause. And of course, that's the most bullish thing for equities that you could hear today, right? I mean, whatever the Fed's doing, stocks have to go up and this is it. Well, yeah, I think, you know, that's a really good point, Steve, that we can't take the CPI number in a vacuum. It's not like inflation price or consumer prices were going up and then they just started going down all on their own. There's a plethora of other economic and, and my, especially financial indications that have sort of been setting this up month after month after month. And of course, up until recently, it's been disappointment after disappointment after disappointment because the markets have been pricing lower interest rates at some point. And it was sort of like, OK, everything's lined up just so right that when the, that, that disappointing CPI came in, everybody was going to flush and everybody's going to buy um, interest rates in the long end of the yield curve are going to flush down. Of course, what I'm talking about is yield curve inversion, which has for really back since the middle of July, late June, middle of July, has been pricing for this kind of scenario. So it's not right. It's, it's not like the CPI was sort of the first indication of something changing. It may actually be the last piece of the puzzle clicking into place, right? Yeah, absolutely. Because one thing I like to do, Jeff, is uh, take the CPI on a year over year. And, and anyone, you can chart this yourself if you're uh, watching from home, you know, go to the St. Louis Fred database and you can pull up the CPI and then you can pull up the yield curve. Anyone you want, you can do the three month, 10 year, you can do the two year, 10 year and invert one of them. Pick whichever one you like and invert it. And what you can see is the yield curve is telling us these deep inversions are saying, look, the probabilities that the CPI is peaking here are extremely high. Now, it's not a guarantee because we've seen in the past inversions that end up starting to steepen, and then we see a transitory peak in the CPI, but it's telling us so very clearly that, look, the odds that the CPI is going to head lower and disinflationary is super high. I know you agree with me on this one, Jeff. Yeah, and I think, you know, to me, the more important market reaction than stocks, again, although the stocks was compelling, uh, so much buying because it, it 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 smacked of so much conviction. Although there was, you know, short covering and, and all sorts of that uh, sort of artificial trading mechanics in the in the in the stock rally. But in the bond market, the long end of the yield curve, I mean, it was as if it was even more impressive than the stock market. Again, it was as if everybody has just been waiting for that one key moment that said, this has got to be the moment that stops the rate hikes. And so it, as soon as that CPI thing came out, it was just like a flush into long end. And it wasn't just even the long end of the yield curve. It was everything up to the six-month bill rate. Everything was bought. The entire curve was bought except for the front end, 
which, right, I mean, that tells us something important, too, that the market is saying Jay Powell, and you said this to me privately, Jay Powell next week is going to come out, he's going to be speaking fire. He's going to be shooting uh, his guns a-blazing that no, 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 we're not going to, that one CPI report is nowhere near enough to convince us. And I think that's what the short end of the yield curve is saying, is that Powell is going to be even more ultra hawkish, but in reality, it doesn't matter. The entire yield curve up to the six month bill was bought because the market thinks the or market believes that the situation has indeed changed, no matter what Jay Powell says, right? And I think that's, I, mean, I love the way you put. Jay Powell is going to be shooting fire in uh, every time we see him from now on. Yeah, yeah, you're right, Jeff. I think between now and the summer meeting, I mean, every, I mean, I think the other Fed speakers are going to be putting, you know, tampering a little bit, saying, "Hey, we need to look at this," but not Powell. He's going to be like, "Look, you thought 50 basis points? I'm going to give you even more." No, whatever it is, you're going to get it. And you know, I, I do want to note here that you know you did say that. Look, all of a sudden the cur, you know, the long end was bought because is that really the issue? Is that rates are a function that? No one's wanted to buy them. And now because the CPI is cooling, suddenly that's the catalyst. You know, we can even look at the auctions this week. The three-year was fairly strong. The 30-year was, but the 10-year was kind of almost a dud in comparison. But really what I want people to understand, and Jeff, I know this is something you talk about all the time, is that the long end of the curve is a function of growth and inflation expectations. So the market you know, believes that the economy is still growing. The data still says it's you know it's slowing down, but th there's no convincing evidence that we're plummeting into a recession tomorrow. In fact, the, the market believes that the, the growth outlooks may actually be better than the data says. But the inflation component, remember, this is growth and inflation. Now the long end of the curve is starting to price in and say, look, this inflation story is probably now over, and that's why we're seeing rates fall. Yeah, and it goes even further than that too, too, right? Because uh, it depends on what you know. It almost doesn't depend on what part of the yield curve that you're looking at, right? It's now the two-year, ten-year spread is ridiculously inverted, which is a high degree of certainty in the marketplace that says interest rates are going lower. Uh, the three-month, ten-year spread obviously went went <laughs> absolutely crazy. It was a little bit inverted at the end of September with all the stuff that went on in September. Then, as is common, as is typical, it uninverted for a little bit, and then it went a little bit inverted. And then that CPI hit, and now it's something like 46 basis points upside down, which is a pretty solid signal. Of course, Jay Powell will disagree. He's he's already moved the goalposts and say it's a three-month, 18-month four that you need to look at. But even that is very close to inverting, too, after the CPI report. So everywhere you look on the yield curve, the message is sort of the same, that the market, the, the bond market anyway, and apparently the stock market agrees, at least for this week, that the rate hikes, the end of rate hikes might be or is likely to be in sight. Now, the bigger question then becomes, what does that actually mean? Because if it's like the stock market where you think that rate hikes are the taking of the punch bowl away, and then the pause or a pivot brings the punch bowl back, that's tremendously awesome. That's, that's cause for celebration. However, the bond market might be a little bit more pessimistic, yield curve inversions and everything like that. I don't know, you know, Steve, I don't know if it's all about inflation expectations. I tend to believe that this level of inversion also happens to be a pretty pessimistic view of growth expectations in the near term, which is why the three-month tenure is such an important spread. So... 
if the Fed pivot represents just the end of the rate hike, stocks surge and everything's great. But if the Fed pivot represents something else, then what do we do, right? That's the question now. Right. See, I, I, I agree with you, Jeff. The reason I said the market was thinking growth is because when you see this move in the equity market, that, you know, just people watching the tape are saying, hey, all of a sudden, why are stocks going up? That has to mean the market is saying, look, the, the growth outlooks are now changing. Perhaps we are past the bear market. We're entering a new phase of a bull market. Now, we know historically that's not the case at all. Because when you see a, a steepener in the yield curve, that mean, would, what we're looking for here is the front end of the curve, say twos, to lead tens lower. That's actually really bad news for the economy. That's not what you want at all. And I think that's what I'm trying to suggest here is what you're seeing in the equity market in terms of, hey, growth is back. Everything's going to be okay. That's not the case at all. This could just be one last hurrah of a big bear market rally. And then in the months to come, I think we talked about this on a previous show where the economic data may not actually tell us what we think is going to happen, what the curves are telling us is happening until early next year. And that's what, to me, I think the growth story gets blown apart. Yeah, and it reminds me of a quote that I, you know, I used, I have used recently from October 2007 FOMC meeting where they were sitting analyzing these curves, especially Fed funds futures and saying, why is the market so pessimistic? Why is the market pricing such such certainty at lower rates? Because at that point, the Fed looked at the economy, which, by the way, looked a lot, looks a lot like the economy does today. And they said, well, yeah. You know, the, the data says there's a little bit of slowing, but it doesn't look all that bad. But yet these markets are priced as if something really bad is coming. And it was William Poole, the old St. Louis Fed president, who said, well, maybe it's because these markets, the participants in these markets have proprietary inside information that shows a what he said, a softening in the economy when it was really a falling apart of the economy that isn't yet in the data. So when we look at markets like the yield curve or Eurodollar futures, for example, which is even more inverted than it was in October 2007, even more inverted today, there's participants in these markets that are looking at the conditions that we can't see because we're looking at economic data that's, first of all, it's, it takes time to collect. And then it's we hope it's a good representation of what's going on, whereas market participants are actually in the economy and they're actually saying, we're pretty pessimistic here. So pessimistic where we want to hedge against uh, whatever it is we're seeing to the point that it's upsetting these curves. And so it may be like Mr. Poole admitted back in October 2007 that the data is not yet as this is your thing, Steve, that the data hasn't yet caught up to reality, but that it will in the in the near term future. And I think that's really the takeaway with the CPI was that it was sort of like that setup. We know the, the, the markets knew the economy is going the wrong way. It was just sort of waiting for that, that last kind of puzzle piece to fall in line. And of course, you never want to make too much out of one month, but there was enough in the CPI uh, services prices for me actually fell for the first time uh, in a long time. And services prices don't usually fall all that much. So there was a lot there that, that, that wasn't, this wasn't the idea that something's changing. It was sort of confirmation of everything that's been set up all along. Yeah, and that's a good point, Jeff, because there's something that I've kind of wondered if maybe the market is pricing in the, the lags of monetary policy. And I think this is what we see frequently 
is the market gets excited that, hey, the Fed did hike and, and nothing happened. Look, look around. Did, did you see anything blow up? Did you see anything collapse? All right, so some crypto thing. I mean, look, the, 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 there's going to be collateral damage in any type of market. But, hey, that's not a big deal here. But we can go back to Milton Friedman's research because no one's got a better yardstick because no one can figure it out. But, you know, what we know from him is he said that the monetary lags hit somewhere between six to 12 months. Now, we could argue that maybe it's longer now. The size of the balance sheet may matter. I mean, there, there could be any number of factors. But I'll put this on the table and see what your reaction is. In March, that's the 12-month mark. So if Milton Friedman's research is anywhere still remotely accurate, well, that's going to start to hit the economy then. At the same time, we're going to see some of the holiday data, which I have a hunch is going to be worse than most people think. And I think when these tech companies are giving us that indication that, hey, you know, from an ad perspective here, look, we're, we're big advertising companies. We're trying to tell you right now things aren't looking so hot that you've got this double whammy going to hit the uh, markets and the economy at the early part of the next year. To me, Jeff, that's what the yield curve is telling us. It's like, look, we're we're not out of the fire yet. You might think so. You can go look at the stock market, but look, we're telling you, look, we're not out of the woods yet. Yeah, I think that's the parallel to 2007, right? Because back in 2007, we had this massive housing bubble. Everybody knew it was a housing bubble. Suddenly the housing bubble burst and everybody went, oh, braced for impact. And then for a while, it seemed like nothing happened. Like, oh, this is all much ado about nothing. You know, Ben Bernanke said subprime is contained in March 2007. And then for the next six or seven, eight, nine months, it looked like the economy is doing really well. But that was what, what well, that was what William Poole's point was, that the economy was not doing well. The data just made it look well. And that the markets, the, the, the participants in the market were seeing things really deteriorate in exactly the manner that you're talking about now. It isn't in the data in 2022. But all of the stuff is starting to hit at once, and the markets are saying, well, yeah, maybe the personal spending number looks okay. Maybe the establishment survey is good, but we're seeing you know, stuff happening, you know, blank sailings, canceled inventory, all sorts of stuff that's happening that we, maybe that hasn't been captured by the data. So it has that same sort of late 2007 feeling. Just to be clear, I'm not saying we're repeating 2008, but the seriousness in the yield curve suggest a seriousness in the real economy that maybe just isn't quite picked up in the data. And as Dave Stockton asked back then, he's like, are we missing a slowdown or are we missing worse, like a downturn from the Fed's perspective, or which is the mainstream's perspective? So last thoughts on this, Steve. I mean, what a crazy, I, so stocks are Fed pivots good. Bond market is Fed pivot is the final sign before we get to the bad steepening, as you, as you pointed out, bad. When the when the short term rates start to go lower faster than long term rates, that's the that's the final final signal that it, the thing has happened. So we kind of got a bifurcation here. Is it Fed pivot good or is Fed pivot bad? Yeah, Fed pivot is never good. I mean, to go back in history, it's never yeah, good. No, that was a softball, right? <laughs> like, yeah, that, I mean, really, that that was an easy one. But you know, if people are wondering this, how does the Fed get this wrong? It's because you got to remember. The CPI data, the unemployment, all this data is lagged. And that's what they yeah. can't see is because we just, nobody has real-time data to work with. We use what we've got. By the time the lag tells us we're in trouble, yeah, we're in trouble. Yeah. And I think that's 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 really the point about markets. And you have to wonder why the uh, you know central bankers and economists refuse to accept these market signals. Why do they always try to dismiss them? 
Why do they try to say, oh, the yield curve, that's no big deal until it gets the, I mean, that's really, that's, it's, that's part of the, part of the real mystery here because you and I both know there's incredibly useful information in it. And it's a shame that it's not used more. So, you know, thanks for joining again, Steve. We'll see you again next week. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what the high frequency data looks like over the months ahead to see if it actually starts to match what the CPI does and how quickly the CPI maybe does continue to, to fall. As you, as you noted, we've got another one before the, Fed, the next Fed meeting. So that'll be quite interesting, don't you think? I agree. And then Jeff, as always, thanks for having me on your show, and I'll look forward to seeing you next weekend. All right, Steve, take care.